Good morning, Central Baptist Church family, and good morning to you two who are joining us for this live stream. Uh, we thank God once again for um, His faithfulness and for His word that never fails, His word that continues to speak to us each and every day. Um, this morning, I want to speak to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 to 58. We normally have been going through a series, um, and this series has been through the gospel account according to, to Mark. Um, so this morning, we'll just take a detour, um, and I want to encourage you on, on the topic, death won't have the last laugh. Death won't have the last love. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, up until verse 58. Let us take this time and present it to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for bringing us together um, this morning to hear your word. We pray for each and every individual um, who will come um, to, to hear um, the, the word being declared that you um, may uh, give them courage, you may encourage them um, even when they are discouraged. We pray that your word will go forth in power um, to, um, to instruct your people and um, to also convict those who do not know you and bring them to yourself. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning with a phrase from Romans chapter 5, verse 14, uh, that stuck in my head this week. This is what it says. It says, from the time of Adam, death reigned. From the time of Adam, death reigned. We are living in days where it feels like death reigns. The, the coronavirus has now killed over 72,000 people. And I'm sure um, you keep up with the news. But what doesn't get a lot of press is the fact that death um, always is front and center. Over 450,000 people um, die each year. And even that statistic is misleading. The, the, the fact is that we are all going to die. As C.S. Lewis has said, 100% of people die. And that percentage can't be increased. So as you, you, you can see, death seems to reign, and its empire is quite large. The Bible tells us that Christ is king, he's on the throne reigning, and all things have been put under his feet. But it feels like death is reigning. A few years back, um, Princeton University uh, Press put out a series of of biographies called Lives of Great Religious Books. It's, a, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? A biography writes the life of somebody. But this series traces the lives of books. But books aren't technically living things. And neither is death. But this morning I want to do something even more ironic than write the biography of a book. I want to give the biography of death. The life of death if you will. Many, many great biographies are structured around the rise and fall of a person. 
in a time when death seems to be extending its empire, I want to trace the rise and fall of death. First Corinthians chapter 15 tells us of the rise and fall of death. I'm not going to cover the whole chapter. I mainly want to focus on the last five verses that we are going to read. Some stories start at the end and then flesh back to see how the characters came to be and then eventually join back to the final scene. These, um, these are, are called frame stories. We have examples in, in Homer's Odyssey or Maru uh, by Bessie Head. That's what I want us to, to do this morning with the biography of death. I want to begin by reading the final chapter of death's biography. Then we'll flash back to the beginning and trace death's rise to power and ultimate doom. And at the end, we'll consider what difference this makes for our lives. Let us read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 to verse 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 to verse 58. I read from the ESV, follow me as we hear God's word. Starting with verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal put on immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your victory O death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. So that's the last chapter in death's bio. Uh, death will be defeated. Death will fall. And that's what we celebrate, isn't it? When we celebrate Easter, um, when we celebrate Good Friday, when we celebrate the Resurrection Sunday, and every Sunday when we, uh, when we gather together, we even uh, um, you know, contemplate and think about and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But before we can celebrate this fall, we have to see just how high the rise of death has been in our world. So let's flash back for a moment Let's look at death's origins and death's rise. Death is not eternal. It had a beginning. We, we, we read about the birth of death in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve were created by God to live in relationship with him. They were promised uh, rich blessings. Eternal access to the tree of life, but this blessing would only last as long as they obeyed God. And God had commanded them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he warned them that if they disobeyed his command, they would die. As you know, they did not obey God. They rebelled against his reign. And so death was born, so to speak. I think it's important to say at the get-go, that death is not simply a natural process. It's, it's God's penalty on man's sin. So who gave birth to death? Well, when you look at the testimony of Scripture, you see that it's Adam and Eve. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 says, By a man came death. 
It was through Adam's sin that death came into the world. That, that's why verse 56 says of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. The, the, the phrase the sting of death could also be translated the stinger of death. A scorpion or a bee uses its stinger to bring about the death of its victim. In the same way, sin is the stinger that brings about the death of man. When Adam and Eve sinned, the deadly stinger penetrated their lives. And now death has invaded our world. But it wasn't Adam and Eve alone who sinned. We, we all sinned. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 explains this. It says, therefore, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Again, in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, we are told, for all have sinned. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. And death is not just physical mortality here. Death is eternal. Instead of eternal life, there's eternal condemnation in hell for all who sinned against God. So that's how death was born. But how did death rise to power? How does it exercise its reign over us? When verse 56 says, the sting of death is sin, there's likely a double meaning to the sting of death here. Sin is the stinger that leads to death. But there are also many things in our lives that give, give a foretaste of death. And those things sting. They, they hurt. And they continue to remind us of death's reign. Where do I get this? Well, have you ever noticed in Genesis chapter 3, when men sin, that the curse of death doesn't come immediately? And many aspects of the death do, not, do, do, show up, do, do show up immediately. And they remind us that death is coming. And, and, and they are a way death exercises its reign over us. The, the, the fall leads to the rise of death's tyranny. Let's share a number of examples with you to explain the way death's empire works. When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? First, they, they felt shame in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then fear in verse 8. Shame for their sin and fear of God's judgment. We, we still experience shame and fear even in our world. They, they enslave us in many ways, as Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15 tells us. The, the, the curse also led to an ongoing battle against Satan. God said that there would be an ongoing enmity between humanity and Satan's offspring in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. We still engage in, in that battle today. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. When you look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, th this is one of the many ways that death exercises its reign. We also experience pain. That the curse on Eve involved pain in childbearing. When you look at chapter 3 of Genesis verse 16. And the curse on Adam involved pain in work. When you look at verse 17 to verse 19. But, but these are only a sample of the pain we experience this side of the fall. 
There's also pain of grief, pain of loss, pain of sickness and disease, and, and all of these things are a foretaste of death. Additionally, we experience conflict in human relationships. The, the curse brought strife before, between Adam and Eve, but today we experience conflict in human relationships, and not just marriage. Broken relationships are a sting of death. And above all, our relationship with God is broken. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. They, 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 they could no longer walk in relationship with God. And in our sin, we too are separated from God and will be for eternity. This is spiritual death. And here's the thing. It's not just sin that leads to death. Our spiritual death leads to more sin. What's the, 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 the first thing that happens when, when, uh, after man is, is banished from God's presence in the garden? Sin spreads like wildfire. In Genesis chapter 4, sin's crouching at Cain's door and he murders his brother. Then after we are told repeatedly in Genesis chapter 5 about the pervasiveness of death, Genesis chapter 6 tells us about the pervasiveness of sin. Um, this is what God says in, 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 in verse 5 when he testifies about man. He says the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Our spiritual death goes hand in hand with sin. Ephesians chapter 2 says, and, all, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Do you see? Our spiritual death affects how we live. Instead of following God's ways, we live in sin. We, we follow the course of this world. We follow the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We, we live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. There's so much more that can be said, but hopefully this brief treatment makes my point clear. Following death's birth, Death rose quickly to power. Its tyrannical reign spread to all people in all times. And, and it, it not only leads all people to, to, to the grave, it dominates us with sh shame and fear, with pain and frustration, with brokenness and alienation and piles sin upon sin. Now that we've looked at death's rise, Let's turn to consider its fall. Like the fall of the Roman Empire, the fall of death empire doesn't happen quickly. It comes in stages. The, the, the fall of death began with predictions and prophecies. When death first entered the world, when it was still in the hospital with Adam and Eve, getting weighed and measured, there was already a prediction of his doom. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God said that the offspring of death would crush the head of the serpent. Satan uses sin and death to keep us in bondage. But at the very beginning, we have a promise of Satan's defeat. We see many other indications in the Old Testament that death will be defeated. For the sake of time, I'm going to limit myself to one more example. 
referenced in our passage in 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, 57. Um, that says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the immortal puts on the immortal, then shall come to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. This saying comes from um, Isaiah chapter, 50, uh, chapter 25, verse 8. Let me read a few other verses in chapter 25 of Isaiah so, so you can get the sense of his tone. I'll read verse 7 to verse 9 of chapter, of chapter 25 of Isaiah. And this is what it says. And he will, swallow, he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken, it, it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. It's interesting. This passage not only predicts the joyous defeat of death, but right there with that prediction, it announces the defeat of the sting of death. The, the defeat of sadness and shame, the, the elimination of tears and reproach. Death is intimately connected with the tyranny of death, but it will all be defeated on the day Isaiah announces. A day the people, of, uh, uh, the people in the Old Testament were, were waiting for, and a day we are all waiting for as well. But here's the good news. The coming of that day has been guaranteed through Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday, doesn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ's resurrection points forward to the day of our resurrection because all who are in Christ will be raised from the dead. Just like Christ was raised. And when we are raised from the dead, when our perishable bodies put on the imperishable and the mortal put on immortality, then shall come, the past that, uh, come to pass the saying um, that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory, in verse 54. The orders laid out here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 to 23 um, when it says, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruit, the first fruit then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. We spend a lot of time looking at, uh, talking about the, the sting of death. But let's not miss the bigger reality here. Let's not miss the victory of the resurrection. The sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, right? God gives us victory through Jesus Christ. The death of Christ and his resurrection have accomplished victory over death. We will experience the reign of death now because the fall of death happens in stages. But when Christ returns... 
those who are in Christ will be raised from the dead and we will experience Christ's victory over death. How is this possible? Well, Christ has taken the sting out of death. Remember the sting of death is sin. Our sin is what leads us to death. But as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 says, Christ died for our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. He's taken out, he's taken the stinger out. The word sting can mean a number of different things. Obviously, it means to puncture with a poisonous dart. It means to hurt. And sure, death is still alive and kicking. We, we know that full well, but death's days are numbered. The, the, the last chapter in death's authorized biography has already been written in the resurrection of Jesus. It will be played out when he returns. Not only has death been defeated, death will actually one day die. There's a book by um, John Owen. It's a, classical, it's a classic book. Um, the title is, uh, you know, attractive enough for you to read the book. But the book is, is very heavy in terms of reading. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very tough book to read. Every sentence, when you read one sentence, you read it five times to understand it. And um, the title of the book is The Death of Death in the Death of Christ. So that's the idea that death dies because Christ died. But Christ did not just die. He rose again in, 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 in the defeat of death. So death will one day die. The day is coming when death will be thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 verse 14. Now as Revelation chapter 21 says in verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Whenever you read a good book, you should try to apply that book into your, in your life. And now that we've surveyed the biography of death, we do well to ask how we should apply it to our lives. Our passage this morning gives us two applications in verses 57 and verse 58. Verse 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. The, the, the clear response here is to thank God for the victory over death. But there's another response implied here. We need to realize that only God can give victory over death. And that victory comes only through Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned. All of us will therefore die. And none of us can do anything about it. We may try to ward off death through diet and exercise and modern medicine, but the fact remains we are all going to die and we'll all meet our maker. We may also try to ward off the sting of death. We may try to minimize sadness and shame and grief and loneliness through various means. We, we pour ourselves into our work or into relationships. We numb our pain through food and drink or, or even worse. Many of these things are good, but when we look to them to do for us what only God can do, to save us and satisfy us, then we are not only actually escaping the sting of death at all, we are only burying the stinger deeper. Our only hope against the tyranny of death 
is to trust in Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He was raised from the dead. It's only through him that, that we, we, we can have victory. So we need to trust in him. We need to repent of our sin and believe the gospel. That's the first way to respond to the, to the biography of death. <coughs> Excuse me. The second way is found in verse uh, 58. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The doctrine of our future hope should affect the way we live our present lives. And we have great hope, don't we? We have great security in the resurrection of Christ. These perishable bodies will put on the imperishable. The mortal will put on immortality, as verse 54 tells us. Then we will inherit the kingdom of God, verse 50. And our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. That security should lead to a stability in our lives. We, we, we don't need to be shaken by the coronavirus or economic upheaval. We are eternally safe and wealthy. We, we don't need to be threatened by opposition to the gospel. We, we, we need to give ourselves to the work of the Lord because we know that, we do, uh, that what we do for Jesus uh, now is not in vain. Brothers and sisters, now is not the time to hide away and put our lives on pause. Now is not the time to fear. Now is the time to declare the good news. Death is defeated. Christ is reason. And now is the time to bear witness to the gospel in word and deed. For our witness now will be bearing on the eternal future of people. So, in, in, in light of the resurrection, let me close where Paul closes. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord, we are grateful that in the death of Christ, death is defeated. We don't need to be Ashamed, We don't need to be um, crippled by fear. We, 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 we trust in you. In the midst of, of affliction, in the midst of pain, in the midst of loss, in the midst of grief, Lord, we know that death will not have the last laugh. We pray, Father, that you help us. Help us when we grieve. Help us when we experience pain that we may look to you and know that in you we have victory. In Jesus' blessed name, amen.